0: part two of the main woods by henry david thoreau this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part two Chesuncook. section ten at five p m september thirteenth eighteen fifty three i left boston in the steamer for bangor by the outside course it was a warm and still night warmer probably on the water than on the land and the sea was as smooth as a small lake in summer merely rippled. The passengers went singing on the deck as in a parlour till ten o'clock. We passed a vessel on her beam ends on a rock just outside the islands, and some of us thought that she was the rapt ship which ran on her side so low that she drank water and her keel ploughed air, not considering that there was no wind and that she was under bare poles. Now we have left the islands behind in are off we behold those features which the discoverers saw apparently unchanged now we see the cape ann lights and now pass near a small village-like fleet of mackerel fishers at anchor probably off gloucester they salute us with a shout from their low decks but i understand their good evening to mean don't run against me sir from the wonders of the deep we go below to yet deeper sleep and then the absurdity of being waked up in the night by a man who wants the job of blacking your boots it is more inevitable than seasickness and may have something to do with it it is like the ducking you get on crossing the line the first time i trusted that these old customs were abolished they might with the same propriety insist on blacking your face i heard of one man who complained that somebody had stolen his boots in the night and when he found them he wanted to know what they had done to them they had spoiled them he never put that stuff on them and the boot-black narrowly escaped paying damages. Anxious to get out of the whale's belly, I rose early and joined some old salts, who were smoking by a dim light on a sheltered part of the deck. We were just getting into the river. They knew all about it, of course. I was proud to find that I had stood the voyage so well, and was not in the least digested. We brushed up and watched the first signs of dawn through an open port, but the day seemed to hang fire. We inquired the time— none of my companions had a chronometer at length an african prince rushed by observing twelve o'clock gentlemen and blew out the light it was moonrise so i slunk down into the monster's bowels again the first land we make is monhegan island before dawn and next st george's islands seeing two or three lights whitehead with its bare rocks and funereal bell is interesting next i remember that the camden hills attracted my eyes and afterward the hills about frankfort we reached bangor about noon when i arrived my companion that was to be had gone up river and engaged an indian joe Etian, a son of the governor to go with us to Chesuncook lake joe had conducted two white men a moose hunting in the same direction the year before he arrived by cars at bangor that evening with his canoe and a companion sabbatus solomon who was going to leave bangor the following monday with joe's father by way of the penobscot and joined joe in moose hunting at Chesuncook when we had done with him they took supper at my friend's house and lodged in his barn saying that they should fare worse than that in the woods they only made watch bark a little when they came to the door in the night for water for he does not like indians the next morning joe and his canoe were put on board the stage for moosehead lake sixty and odd miles distant An hour before we started in an open wagon we carried hard bread pork smoked beef tea sugar etc seemingly enough for a regiment the sight of which brought together reminded me by what ignoble means we had maintained our ground hitherto we went by the avenue road which is quite straight and very good northwestward toward moosehead lake through more than a dozen flourishing towns with almost every one its academy not one of which however is on my general atlas published alas in eighteen twenty four so much are they before the age or i behind it the earth must have been considerably lighter to the shoulders of general atlas then it rained all this day until the middle of the next forenoon concealing the landscape almost entirely but we had hardly got out of the streets of bangor before i began to be exhilarated by the sight of the wild fir and spruce tops and those of other primitive evergreens peering through the mist in the horizon it was like the sight and odor of cake to a schoolboy he who rides and keeps the beaten track studies the fences chiefly near bangor the fence posts on account of the frost heaving them in the clay soil were not planted in the ground but were mortised into a transverse horizontal beam lying on the surface afterwards the prevailing fences were log ones with sometimes a virginia fence or else rails slanted over cross-stakes and these zigzagged or played leap-frog all the way to the lake keeping just ahead of us after getting out of the penobscot valley the country was unexpectedly level or consisted of very even and equal swells for twenty or thirty miles never rising above the general level but affording it is said a very good prospect in clear weather with frequent views of Katahdin, straight roads and long hills the houses were far apart commonly small and of one story but framed there was very little land under cultivation yet the forest did not often border the road the stumps were frequently as high as one's head showing the depth of the snows the white haycaps drawn over small stacks of beans or corn in the fields on account of the rain were a novel sight to me we saw large flocks of pigeons and several times came within a rod or two of partridges in the road my companion said that in one journey out of bangor he and his son had shot sixty partridges from his buggy the mountain ash was now very handsome as also the wayfarer's tree or bush, with its ripe purple berries mixed with red the canada thistle an introduced plant was the prevailing weed all the way to the lake the roadside in many places and fields not long cleared being densely filled with it as with a crop to the exclusion of everything else there were also whole fields full of ferns now rusty and withering which in older countries are commonly confined to wet ground there were very few flowers even allowing for the lateness of the season it chanced that i saw no asters in bloom along the road for fifty miles though they were so abundant then in massachusetts except in one place one or two of the aster and no goldenrods till within twenty miles of monson where i saw a three-ribbed one there were many late buttercups however and the two fireweeds erectites and epilobium commonly where there had been a burning and at last the pearly everlasting i noticed occasionally very long troughs which supplied the road with water and my companion said that three dollars annually were granted by the state to one man in each school district who provided and maintained a suitable water trough by the roadside for the use of travellers, a piece of intelligence as refreshing to me as the water itself. That legislature did not sit in vain. It was an oriental act, which made me wish that I was still farther down east, another Maine law which I hope we may get in Massachusetts. That state is banishing bar rooms from its highways and conducting the mountain springs thither the country was first decidedly mountainous in garland sangerville and onwards twenty-five or thirty miles from bangor at sangerville where we stopped at mid-afternoon to warm and dry ourselves the landlord told us that he had found the wilderness where we found him at a fork in the road between abbot and monson about twenty miles from moosehead lake i saw a guide post surmounted by a pair of moose horns spreading four or five feet with the word Monson painted on one blade and the name of some other town on the other. They are sometimes used for ornamental hat-trees, together with deer's horns, in front entries. But, after the experience which I shall relate, I trust that I shall have a better excuse for killing a moose than that I may hang my hat on his horns. We reached Monson, fifty miles from Bangor, and thirteen from the lake, after dark. At four o'clock the next morning, in the dark and still in the rain, we pursued our journey close to the academy in this town they have erected a sort of gallows for the pupils to practise on i thought that they might as well hang at once all who need to go through such exercises in so new a country where there is nothing to hinder their living an outdoor life better omit blair and take the air the country about the south end of the lake is quite mountainous and the road began to feel the effects of it there is one hill which it is calculated it takes twenty-five minutes to ascend in many places the road was in that condition called repaired having just been whittled into the required semi-cylindrical form with the shovel and scraper with all the softest inequalities in the middle like a hog's back with the bristles up and jehu was expected to keep astride of the spine as you looked off each side of the bare sphere into the horizon the ditches were awful to behold a vast hollowness like that between Saturn and his ring. At a tavern hereabouts, the hostler greeted our horse as an old acquaintance, though he did not remember the driver. He said that he had taken care of that little mare for a short time, a year or two before, at the Mount Kineo house, and thought she was not in as good condition as then. Every man to his trade. I am not acquainted with a single horse in the world, not even the one that kicked me already we had thought that we saw moosehead lake from a hilltop where an extensive fog filled the distant lowlands but we were mistaken it was not till we were within a mile or two of its south end that we got our first view of it a suitably wild-looking sheet of water sprinkled with small low islands which were covered with shaggy spruce and other wild wood seen over the infant port of greenville with mountains on each side and far in the north and a steamer's smoke pipe rising above a roof a pair of moose horns ornamented a corner of the public-house where we left our horse and a few rods distant lay the small steamer moosehead captain king there was no village and no summer road any farther in this direction but a winter road that is one passable only when deep snow covers its inequalities from greenville up the east side of the lake to lily bay about twelve miles i was here first introduced to joe He had ridden all the way on the outside of the stage the day before in the rain, giving way to ladies, and was well wetted. As it still rained, he asked if we were going to put it through. He was a good-looking Indian, twenty-four years old, apparently of unmixed blood, short and stout, with a broad face and reddish complexion, and eyes, methinks, narrower and more turned up at the outer corners than ours, answering to the description of his race. Besides his underclothing, he wore a red flannel shirt, woolen pants, and a black kossuth hat, the ordinary dress of the lumberman, and, to a considerable extent, of the Penobscot Indian. When afterward he had occasion to take off his shoes and stockings, I was struck with the smallness of his feet. He had worked a good deal as a lumberman and appeared to identify himself with that class. He was the only one of the party who possessed an India-rubber jacket. The top strip or edge of his canoe was worn nearly through by friction on the stage. At eight o'clock, the steamer, with her bell and whistle scaring the moose, summoned us on board. She was a well-appointed little boat, commanded by a gentlemanly captain, with patent life seats and metallic lifeboat and dinner on board, if you wish. She is chiefly used by lumberers for the transportation of themselves, their boats and supplies, but also by hunters and tourists there was another steamer called Amphitrite laid up close by but apparently her name was not more trite than her hull there were also two or three large sailboats in port these beginnings of commerce on a lake in the wilderness are very interesting these larger white birds that come to keep company with the gulls there were but few passengers and not one female among them a saint francis indian with his canoe and moose hides two explorers for lumber three men who landed at sandbar island and a gentleman who lives on deer island eleven miles up the lake and owns also sugar island between which and the former the steamer runs these i think were all beside ourselves in the saloon was some kind of musical instrument cherubim or seraphim to soothe the angry waves and there very properly was tacked up the map of the public lands of maine and massachusetts a copy of which i had in my pocket the heavy rain confining us to the saloon a while i discoursed with the proprietor of sugar island on the condition of the world in old testament times but at length leaving this subject as fresh as we found it he told me that he had lived about this lake twenty or thirty years and yet had not been to the head of it for twenty-one years he faces the other way the explorers had a fine new birch on board larger than ours in which they had come up the piscataquis from Howland and they had had several messes of trout already they were going to the neighbourhood of eagle and chamberlain lakes or the headwaters of the st john and offered to keep us company as far as we went the lake to-day was rougher than i found the ocean either going or returning and joe remarked that it would swamp his birch off lily bay it is a dozen miles wide but it is much broken by islands the scenery is not merely wild but varied and interesting Mountains were seen, farther or nearer, on all sides but the northwest, their summits now lost in the clouds. But Mount Caneo is the principal feature of the lake, and more exclusively belongs to it. After leaving Greenville at the foot, which is the nucleus of a town some eight or ten years old, you see but three or four houses for the whole length of the lake, or about forty miles, three of them the public houses at which the steamer is advertised to stop, and the shore is an unbroken wilderness the prevailing wood seemed to be spruce fir birch and rock maple you could easily distinguish the hard wood from the soft or black growth as it is called at a great distance the former being smooth round-topped and light green with a bowery and cultivated look mount Caneo, at which the boat touched is a peninsula with a narrow neck about midway the lake on the east side the celebrated precipice is on the east or land side of this and is so high and perpendicular that you can jump from the top many hundred feet into the water which makes up behind the point a man on board told us that an anchor had been sunk ninety fathoms at its base before reaching bottom probably it will be discovered ere long that some indian maiden jumped off it for love once for true love never could have found a path more to its mind we pass quite close to the rock here since it is a very bold shore and i observed marks of a rise of four or five feet on it the saint francis indian expected to take in his boy here but he was not at the landing the father's sharp eyes however detected a canoe with his boy in it far away under the mountain though no one else could see it where is the canoe asked the captain i don't see it but he held on nevertheless and by and by it hove in sight End of part two, section ten.